Hi guys, I'm Saber Cook, and you're listening to the greatest motorsports podcast, Cut to the Race. Welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. Today on the show, as I mentioned, if you listened to the last one, we have a very special guest. Um, but before I introduce them, we have uh, Dan. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm alive. All good. Uh, Callum, how are you? I'm good. Cheers, mate. For sound out of breath, it's because I've done like Usain Bolt's equivalent to the to the car and back. Um, yeah, not very organised today, but looking forward to it. Good. Well, good to have you with us. Uh, we don't have Matt, and I think there's some tears have been shed because of our guest that we have. But we have Sabre Cook on the show. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? We are good. Thank you very much for joining us. You've just come back from Hungary, I believe. So so whereabouts in the, in the world are you talking to us from today? Uh, I am in Colorado right now. For the listeners who maybe haven't seen uh, you race yet, don't quite know what you're about, where, what, what, you know, what, what you do. Um, can you explain yourself for us? Um, yeah, so I uh, started rate karting um, at a young age, about eight years old. Um, got progressed more um, into you know the international national karting scene, um, and then had a, had a successful pro karting career, and then was was finally able to move to cars in 2017. Um, I wasn't able to make the jump sooner just due to lack of funding and sponsorship. And then um, did some amateur stuff at first, then a couple USF uh, 2000 races, USF 4, qualified for the W Series in the beginning of 2019, and some Indy Pro uh, 2000 races in 2020. Uh, and then again, this year, uh, W Series again, as well as I did a Porsche Sprint Challenge race in the States and um, some just Porsche Cup races here, as well as MX-5 Cup race. So a bit, bit, bit of different things here and there, um, pretty much just whatever I can I can get my hands on and jump into, um, as well as I'm also a mechanical engineer. So I went to the Colorado School of Mines, um, graduated from there at the end of 2017 with a bachelor's in mechanical engineering. Um, I won the Infinity Engineering Academy um, in 2018. And so I went and worked for, um, Infinity Global and Renault F1 in 2019. So I lived in the UK for a bit there. And, uh, and yeah, that's a, I guess that's a quick summary of how I've gotten to where I am today. I mean, that's insane. You're like one of those kids at school who is just good at everything, aren't you? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that, I wasn't that, that great at soccer. Good at everything. <laughs> Um, our, our American friend who we keep mentioning, Matt, he begged me to ask this question to you. He goes, okay. as a fellow American, what do you foresee as the biggest hurdle for America growing a larger fan base in international open wheel racing? Um, I think right now it's hard uh, 
for people because a lot of the times it's like on a different time zone. So if it's like, you know, in the middle of the afternoon and European time, usually it's early morning in the States, like very early or, or people just aren't aware of when it's on. Um, I think the Netflix documentary is actually like really, really helped the awareness funnily enough. Cause I get a lot of um, friends that have gotten into it because of that. Um, but I, I think it's, it's just hard because in, in Europe and the UK motorsports is so much more like, part of your way of life, sort of. It's like a very common thing to to be involved in, to know about. Um, but in the States, it's, you know, that's our American football is more like that's what what our what our big thing is, or baseball or something else like that. So it's um it's just not as uh I guess it's it's just not as common in the States. So that's I think that's the hurdle that they're just gonna have to overcome is just raising awareness and then showing the like kind of making them people understand like the the rules or the format because sometimes that can be confusing for new people coming in as well you you mentioned you were in the first series of w series in 2019 obviously it didn't happen in 2020 the pandemic and it's back on this year what are the main sort of changes between then and now given you've raced in both if any um, yeah, there's some big changes. Um, we aren't rotating cars like we were in 2019. We're not rotating engineers like we did in 2019. Um, the top three engines do get, um, like the engine and gearbox get recirculated um, for every race. So like um, the top three from, from Hungary will go to randomly selected people that finished elsewhere. Um, so that, that is a bit different. And then obviously we have the team structure in place for this year versus 2019. It was all like more W series. Um, and thankful to have all the the new sponsors coming on board for, for building that team structure from here on out. Um, and then another big thing is obviously we are running with the F1 platform instead of DTM. And we also have one less practice session. So we, we only get 1.5 hours on track for the whole weekend. So it's just practice quality race instead of practice, practice quality race. That was another thing I was going to ask later on, but I'll ask it now. Um, has, <laughs> how much has that made, have it impacted the weekend with the, the reduced running time before the race? Essentially, you don't get as much time to figure out track conditions, the car, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, um, I think it makes it pretty difficult when you're someone that doesn't know the tracks already. So a lot of the, like all the European tracks, you know, I've, I've never raced on any of the ones that we're going to except for Coda. So for me, it's been quite hard because you only have 30 minutes in FP1 to figure out the track before you go into qualifying. So it's, it can be a little, it can be quite tricky and you just have to do a lot of homework beforehand. Um, so I'm hoping that may, maybe in the future they can figure out a way to get us some more track time. Yeah, that was something I noticed. Sorry, Oddly, I keep adding to my question there. Um, when I was at Silverstone and I saw them all sort of come out, there was no like, let's go really slowly and then go quickly. It was just, let's go, go, go from as soon as the green light went in practice, which I would, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that must be quite tricky. Yeah, it, it can be just because you're trying to, you're trying to figure out a lot of things um, and it's such a short period of time, especially when we have like, you know, the, the weekends with the different compounds of tires on the track as well we don't really you kind of it's kind of like you kind of like trying to predict what the balance is going to be for the track with all the Pirelli rubber going down or the Michelin when the Porsches are out as well 
So when you mention um, prep work for a weekend, obviously you've only got 30 minutes. What is the prep work before that? Do you have a simulator? Do you get yourself on F1 2021 with a wheel? Um, you know, how do you, how do you prepare for these tracks and what is your sort of your build up towards getting in that car? Um, so before the season even started, once all the tracks are announced, um, I, I like to just kind of take a quick look into each and every one of them. And even though I wasn't going to remember all of them right then, just kind of explore about it. It's kind of great being with the F1 weekend. Cause there's tons of uh, people that have done circuit guides or there's ones on the F1 website that just talk a little bit about track information and, and stuff like that. And being with the F1 tracks, there's always a lot of like um, just circuit notes. So that's, so that's very helpful just looking into those. Um, and then closer to each race um, you will explore, like uh, if you have access to data, that's amazing. Cause then you can kind of see a general trend of what you should be expecting um, for the, for the track. And then obviously watching lots of onboard video of cars uh, like it's great if you can get ones that are similar to what you're going to be in but if um if they haven't been there then you just pick ones that are similar or even watching races um in all different types of categories just to see maybe how the race flow goes and then um sim is massive uh, driving that whether the tracks are they're they're adding more tracks to iRacing um but not all of them are on there so then you you got to resort to like a set of Corsa or, or things like that and I uh, I had a, a sim at, I was working at Formula Mazda previously so I, I drove a bit there but um Cranfield simulation is what I really trained on in 2019 as well as um just a bit before Silverstone and and uh Hungary this year because they have such a great sim on hand and I'm actually going to get my own home sim from uh from Cranfield well it's Axim is the one they're called is their uh selling brand so that's um super helpful for for track preparation and then um as far as I mean those are those are probably the the main things and then the track walk um the Thursday before is also extremely crucial um just to kind of really when once you see the track in real life for the first time it's such a big difference then driving it, you know, on a video game sort of thing. So it's just like, oh, okay, this makes, this is, you know, quite surprising. Or you just, you make note of the differences that, that were, um, that you didn't see on video or in the sim. And then just talking with your engineer, especially if you've had an engineer that's had a race there already is super insightful. Um, so I've already actually done a debrief after the hungry race. We did a deep, a brief for the spa race. So just taking advantage of pretty much all the resources that you can going into a weekend. Okay, so I'm going to go a little bit off topic here. Um, you're from Colorado, right? Yes. Please say I got that right. Yes. <laughs> um, so obviously W Series is going to America later on in the year. Could you ever see W Series taking uh, a little trip to Pikes Peak and having to go on the hill climb there with a W Series car? Um, I feel like that would be a really interesting sort of concept for, for that to happen. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's out of the question for sure. Maybe they might they might take one like the the spare car that they had for Goodwood. They could take yeah. that and run it up Pikes Peak. It's definitely uh, it would definitely be a good uh, a media ploy for sure. Well, that's all I was thinking. Yeah, on W Series part, you know, they they can use that if they want. I'll let them. I'll, I'll, I'll pitch it to idea. them. I'll tell yeah. them you came up with the idea. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we will sponsor it. That's uh, that's a Formula Nerds idea. <laughs> We've got the IP to that. Um, 
with with the flow and the racing, the, the the with the flow and the rhythm that you need to get into for racing, um, does it help that all your weekends or the ones that we've had recently, at least, are all sort of one weekend after another, as opposed to F two or F three, which they're like miles away apart on the calendar? Um, I mean, it can help when they're back to back. So you do start to get into a little bit of a rhythm, but then also if maybe there's some issues that you need to sort out then it's kind of hard to do that when you have back-to-back weekends or weekends that are so close. So it yeah. can, it just kind of depends on, on what you need to work on. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Do you think um, your, your experience as an engineer and understanding more, more of the physics of racing, do you think that really gives you a, uh, an upper hand when, when it comes to getting in the car? Because I don't know many racing drivers who can also say that they're a mechanical engineer. In fact, I, I, I say I don't know any. I can't name one. Uh, well, Nico Rosberg actually has an right. engineering degree. I'll edit, I'll edit that out. I didn't know that. I never knew that. <laughs> I'm pretty wow. sure that he, yeah, I'm like very, very sure that he does. I'm okay. like very, very sure. Right, I'll, I'll I say so. that it's because now, I don't now know I'm him. Now questioning it. But, yeah, yeah, now I don't, I don't know Nico. So um, my question, yeah. Is it an advantage when, when it comes to, you know, making those um, changes that you need to to get the car set up right? Um, I think it can definitely help you communicate with your engineer um, more fluidly just because you kind of understand where they're coming from and their perspective. Um, as far as setting up the car, I think a good experienced driver, I mean, based on feel and experience, you, you, you there's not maybe like that, it's not that much different, but if there is maybe like a new platform or something and you tend to gravitate towards maybe just thinking a little bit more outside the box or just because you do have the understanding of the, of the physics, it can be helpful. Um, but then again, hopefully you have an engineer working alongside you that is uh, sharp enough to, to help you with that anyways. So yeah, it can. Um, but obviously I don't, I don't think that it's, um, it's definitely not critical, mission critical to, to being a great driver because the majority are, are not. And I, I actually, sometimes I find it a little more difficult in some ways because I will, it's hard not to, uh, not to th- think about things sometimes um, once you understand a little bit more in depth how, how it all connects. Obviously, you're a racing driver and you, you have been for a few years now. Like, is W Series the, the top for you? Is that the peak? Or is there somewhere else you think you might want to move on to and you see that as the goal, the real goal in your career? Uh, no, the, the real goal is IndyCar. Um, w Series is just a, a great opportunity that's come up along the way. Cool. I love the honesty. Um, so, obviously, the, the big one for you then would be, I suppose, be the Indy 500, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, to be honest, like I love I'm, the Indy 500 is such a special, amazing like environment and experience. Um, but I think racing an IndyCar on on the road courses in America is going to be special more than more than anything else, too. But yes, yes, the 500 would be magical to do. So, Saber, I thought you had um, a different ambition. So th- this is interesting. Uh, I thought you wanted to be um, head of F1 uh, development or a uh, involved in the F1 engineering world. Um, so is it... I mean, I would love to, but um, but if that that's not really my primary directive right now. If that was, I should probably quit racing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But okay, so if you got offered both opportunities tomorrow, you could be um, head of engineering at... Let's say, let's just throw it out there. Let's say Mercedes F1, or you could land a spot, a top spot in IndyCar. Which would you go for? Uh, definitely IndyCar. 
Okay. Wicked. Come on, Ollie. That was obvious. (laughs) I had to ask the question to make it clear. (laughs) Um, Really basic interview question. Then let's go straight back to basics. Um, Who's your racing role model? Obviously, there's been a few women in IndyCar, but is there one that stands out for you, IndyCar or Does it have to be a woman? No, no, no. Um, I mean, I, that's a tough question, I think, um, because in like, from my point of view, I, no one is perfect. We're all human, right? So we all make mistakes. We just watched the race last weekend or this last weekend of so many mistakes that just happened. So I don't feel like there's one person that epitomizes everything that's perfect and great about being a racing driver. So I, I kind of just like to take bits and pieces from everyone that, you know, they inspire in their own way. So, but if I have to pick a couple, I guess I would say, um, I think Jim Clark's story is really inspirational. I mean, Senna is inspirational to everyone, but I feel like it's everyone. It's a bit cliche <laughs> sometimes. It's, a, it's, um, it's a really, yeah, it's a cliche that I can get behind though. I understand it. Yeah, it's pretty, it's a, so, so amazing. So you like understand it, but it's, you know, it's a pretty standard answer, I guess, coming from racing drivers. But, um, and then I, as far as, um, but engineering wise as well, I'm, I'm very inspired by Nui and just, it's, it's impressive to see like how his just, his thought process and his developments and his like pushing forward kind of shaped so much of what the modern F1 car looks like and, and the way they progress forward. So I thought that was, um, that's pretty impressive from an engineering standpoint. Great answers. Great answers. Indeed, indeed. Um, obviously, Dan's mentioned that the, the, the female part of it. Now, say, so, but do you, do you, how do, you, how is it being a female in motorsport? Obviously, you didn't just start in W Series, so you've worked your way up. Um, do you think that you're treated differently? Do you think people underestimate what you can actually do? Just, just talk us a bit about the journey being a young female in the motorsport world in this current time. Um, when I, I mean, when I was younger, um, coming through karting, uh, it was definitely, you were definitely treated differently. You were definitely, um, maybe like a target sometimes as a girl, or you weren't taken as seriously. And I still think that is true. And in motorsports as a whole sometimes. Um, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's everyone believes that, right? Like there's tons of people out there that are very open-minded and they just, you know, see it as very, very factual. Like, are you a good driver or not based on X, Y, Z? So, um, I think it depends on who you're dealing with nowadays as to whether they, they believe that or not. Um, and I think W series and lots of other, um, new opportunities that are coming out for women in motorsports is proving, um, that we, you know, that we can compete if we just have the right amount of exposure opportunities and, and experience behind us. But it has been, um, I, I would be lying if I didn't say that I was um, treated very, um, very poorly sometimes or more in a, given a bit of a hard time um, going going through my, my career up until this point. Do you think that's been helped by W Series being now an F1 support race and being much more on the global platform with Channel 4 showing it and everyone's, the eyes are on W Series, whereas they may not have been during the first uh, season of it? Yeah, I think, I think definitely it's helping. Um, and it's just, it's just spreading more exposure and knowledge about females in motorsports. Uh, Sabre, do you see gender in motorsports or do you just think it's the driver? It doesn't matter what you are. I think it doesn't matter. I think it doesn't matter. 
So your first your first points um, in W series was Misano, and you had a you had an incredible battle with um, one of our previous guests, Sarah Moore. Um, obviously, this weekend the F one community's just seen a, you know great result for. Um, uh, Russell Latifi both having first um, Williams points finishes. What's it like when you finally get what you've earned and you you know that you've earned it, you've worked for it? How does that feel as a racing driver? Um, it honestly it feels like such a big relief in a way because I think we have you know we have a lot of pr- pressure to perform and and pr- we put so much pressure on ourselves and then f- once we finally kind of achieve those points, then it's just kind of like okay, we found a little bit of the recipe. Now let's just kind of keep going. So to, to follow up on some of the, the, you know, the women in motorsport questions, I know your goal is IndyCar, but how long is it, do you think, before we, we see a woman competing in Formula One? Uh, I don't think it's going to happen anytime in the, like, the next few, few years, if I'm honest. I, I think it's going to take a little bit longer. Um, but I hope that we do see one sooner rather than later. Yeah. So, if, for example, say, I don't know, the next young young female came through and she was like on, I don't know, Max Verstappen's level, do you think? And it was justified for her to be there, one hundred percent. No one could argue it at all. Do you think it would happen then, if it was say next year, or do you still think that that would be delayed? Do I think you mean? You're, are you saying if a female just randomly showed up and was at Max Verstappen level, would she go to F one next year? Yeah. I mean, no, because there's no, <laughs> not right now. I don't think that I don't think that there is someone that's at Max's level that's a female currently. Yeah, I, I, obviously, I meant hypothetically, but that, the the sort of the question was sort of if there was someone on that level, do you think that would happen a lot sooner? Do you think that transition for a woman into Formula One would happen a lot sooner, or do you think it's I would hope regardless? so. No, I, I would hope I would hope that if someone showed up and was on that extreme high of a level, that they would be taken into Formula One regardless of their gender. Yeah, I would hope so too. To be fair, what what more would you? I was going to say, what more would you do? That's a bit intense. But what more do you think could be done to help that sort of speed up? I mean, W Series being the support race is a great step, but do you think there's further steps that could be taken? Uh, the biggest thing is funding. Um, we don't, you know, we don't get the near the amount of developmental seat time that our male counterparts do. And like, I get, it's hard to be racing driver, whether you're male or female sponsorship is hard. I get it. I'm there. I've done it. But the, it is really big disparity and the, the, the willingness to invest in a woman versus a man when, it, when, it, when you approach sponsorship. So, and in women's sports in general, the amount of money that goes to men's sports is like 99%. So it's that number has to change before we can have any sort of realistic development that can match, you know, our male counterparts to be able to perform at the same level. Do you think we're slowly moving in the right direction or do you think that the movement really needs to still get that starting step to move forwards with what you were just talking about? Um, I think we're slowly moving in the right direction, but um, it definitely to ha- to see very extreme change, there needs to be something big that happens in the next year or two um, because it's a lot of it is always like, you know, oh, we want to support women. We want to do this. We want to do that. But you don't see a lot of, you know, the really big companies really stepping forward and, and putting their money where their mouth is. That's always, it seems like it's more of a talk rather than an action. 
So what is, for a W Series driver, the next step? Uh, and I think you potentially have more opportunity because you can go into American Series. You've obviously got links there. You could move into European Series. We all know who you are. We know what you can do. Um, you know, the next step might not be straight into IndyCar. What, what is the logical next step once you've, you think you've done what you need to in, in, in W Series? Uh, after W Series, it would be ideal to be going to Indy Lights um, and then progress into IndyCar after that would be the uh, the ideal path. Okay, so we play a little bit of a game here on the Cuts of the Race podcast and we've had many glamorous guests in the, in the motorsport time machine before. Um, so basically my question is, if you could go anywhere in any era of motorsport, whether it be as a racing driver, an engineer, a commentator, a journalist, wherever, back in time, into the future, wherever you could go, where would you go and why? Oh, that is, a, I've never thought about that. <laughs> oh, maybe. No journalist maybe has ever for... asked you that, have they? No, no, they definitely have not. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess I to 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 be able to compete or just to see it. That's is what's is what I guess that that's going to be the determining thing. Whatever you want to do, you could even be a spectator or a journalist or a commentator. Whatever you wanted to do within the motorsport r- realm, you you could go anywhere in time and and be there and do it or watch it or whatever or you could be the driver you could be anything yeah you, you could be in that car um, so to, give you, to give you an example i'll help you out a little bit i've always i'd always like to go into le mans 66 and race against ken miles <laughs> i just think that would be <laughs> that's meant. a good one that is a good one um, just to give you an idea the i would i think if i went back in time it would be can I say more? Okay, so if I go back in time, I would probably want to be a driver in the eighties, early nineties. I would, I would, I would probably say. Um, I think there was a lot of opportunities going on, and you know, there was a lot of technological developments coming along with all of the, like towards more the end of the industrial revolution and all that. So I think it was a pretty cool time to be involved, and it was very easy. I would, okay, not I don't want to say easy, but I think it was just a different progression back then for drivers and engineers to get involved um, in getting up to the upper, upper levels. And I feel like now today it's as an engineer, like an F1, it's very hard to make the progression that like say Nui did, or it's very hard to like even Dave Ryan with W series, like hearing his story that would not happen today. So being present in that like time era would be, a really cool experience just to see, you know, what the opportunities would be. Um, but I would like to go into the future just to see, you know, the first female to, to make it into F1. I think, I think that, well, I guess, sorry, not the first female to make it into F1, but the first maybe female to win an F1 race in the future. You are the first person on this show to go into the future. So Sabre Cook is the future. Wait for it. Um, it wouldn't be right as an F1 podcast if we didn't get your opinion on some of the things that you've actually seen firsthand in the last few weeks. So, um, are you an F1 fan yourself? Yes. Good. Um, so what do you make of the, um, battle of the Titans? Let's call it that. Um, 
Red Bull have had a bit of a tough time in the past few weeks. What's your take on this? Because we were we were convinced Red Bull had it in the bag for this year. Um, you know, it was the time where uh, Lewis was going to be knocked off the top spot and Red Bull were going to take the championship. Same, but you've watched two. I assume you've watched them um, fr- from your from your uh, from a very good spot. So, what do you take on on, on the the events recently? Um, I mean, I think it's great for the sport to see to see the battle battle of the titans, as you say. Um, it's obviously been a tough couple races for Red Bull, but I still I still think that they're going to come back and, and be able to win the championship in the end. Um, but I, I knew it was never going to be easy because I mean, Mercedes and Lewis have been so strong for so long. It would it would be I, I couldn't imagine it logically making sense that they would just fall off and push over so easily um, throughout the season. So I don't know. I still, I still have hope that Red Bull's going to win it by the end, but um, Mercedes will definitely put up a fight. Okay. And I have to ask this because Dan, who you can see there on the, well, my, my left, I'm not sure if he's your left, but um, he, he's a huge Valtteri Bottas fan. Um, and he's absolutely. Oh. I, don't, I don't think I want to hear the answer to this. I'm not going to lie. You don't want to hear I the question. The, let me know the answer. Question, and I don't think I want to hear the answer. Uh, so, Saber, what do you think? Do you think Valtteri or George will be in the Mercedes seat next year? In your opinion, not oh, what you no. think should happen. Just, just if you were Mr. Toto Wolf, based on everything that you know, what would you do? I would probably put George in and I'm, I'm really sorry to break your heart, but I feel like that's just, just it's time and it's a natural progression of things. And that's most likely what's going to happen. I think you've just lost one fan, but. Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, you said, honestly, like I, that, I think that's actually. Yeah. That's, I, want, I want you to edit all better. of my questions out of this. I want no part of this podcast anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you, and, I like Valtteri though because I feel like he he's well, trying to work hard. He's trying to you know do the best that he can, and he I feel like he he does get shit on sometimes. So I, I, fair, I definitely feel for the guy. That's the first person that's backed me up aside from Crofty. So I'm taking that. It's the two very good people to back me up here. I'm I'm having that. I'm not sure Crofty backed you up, mate. To be honest, well he he did he did he did he did he did. Um, uh, okay, and, and sticking with F one, who do you think is the most un- underrated? Uh, sorry, the most underrated driver on the grid at the moment. You put them in the right car; they are world champion. Obviously, we know that's not Andrew Bottas, or we would have done it. Um, but you know, who's at the back of the field who could be changing the the, the history of F one right now? Uh, well, I mean, I think we kind of already talked about. It. I think Russell is going to be pretty pretty amazing once he gets in a top level car so <laughs> i mean i think there's others that are they're obviously better than what their cars are showing but um i don't think that anyone it i mean i i think latifi is actually quite good but obviously he's in a williams too but i think right now george is is on another level as well if you had to pick a world champion between george and lando who oh. would you go for in this in equal machinery who, who, An do you equal think would, who do you think would, do I think would win? Oh, yeah. man. I mean, I know George won the F2 when they were effectively in pretty equal machinery. But, but I think Lando's developed yeah, a lot. Yeah, times change. Oof, that is tough. I, I think it's hard because I haven't seen George uh, in the front as much as I've seen Lando lately, so I don't know how he would handle 
I think he would handle the pressure okay, but I, I don't 100% know. And he obviously made some big mistakes when he did get the chance. So it's like, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll go with Lando right now. Oh, I would have said George. Oh, wow. <laughs> I would have said George because three years ago. You would have what? said George because I'm on this podcast and, yeah, and like agreeing with me. And that. And because he well, re- replaced- Honestly, I would have said George before this season, but I think Lando has just like taken it to another level. So mm. he's had a stellar but, season, yeah. as he's. Yeah. Great. For, from your racing experience, you know, George is in. <sighs> Sorry, Williams, I do love you. I've always loved you. But George is in the worst car for three years. Do you think Well, that... it's Haas. I mean, well, Haas is... Oh, sorry, I forgot great. about Haas. Uh, a minus <laughs> Haas. Um, George has been up against it, but he's had good results. Does driving a really poor car teach you more than driving an average car? Sometimes, because then it's you're, it's left up to you to try and, like, basically extract the most out of whatever the balance of the car is. And then you have to just, like more than like just pushing the car to its absolute limit, you're like thinking, right, how can I maybe adapt my technique here to get more out of the car? So in some ways I think it can, um, it just makes, it forces you to grow more as a driver and it forces you to constantly be um, uncomfortable because obviously the car, if the car is underperforming and it's not like, can't be pushed to the limits that a Mercedes can, it's probably more uncomfortable to drive at times. So I think in that way, I think it's got to probably develop you maybe more yeah yeah and that's that's why I think Russell but um I think I'd like Lando too more so we'll, we'll see we'll, <laughs> we will see we'll we'll hop in that motorsport time machine and have a look after the show and we won't we won't ruin the surprise um last question from me I mean as a racing driver you get to go to some awesome places you get to drive some pretty cool cars that us mere humans don't um any car, any track, what, where would you go? Any car, any track. Um, Mercedes F1 car, Spa. Oh, yes. Yes, you are my new favourite. That is exactly what I would have said. <laughs> but I do want to try and drive the McLaren Sabre just because, well, for obvious reasons. <laughs> like, maybe on, like, Coda or Laguna Seca. I think that would be pretty cool. So you've got your European answer and your, your American answer, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Sabre, you um, you have a social media presence. I really enjoy your LinkedIn posts. It shows quite a lot into uh, the, the mindset of a racing driver. And I think the other day you showed, um, actually, you're not just a racing driver. You're also, you do PR, you do the business side of everything. Um, if people don't get to know more about you, because you are clearly multi-talented you've got a lot to share with the world where where can our where can our listeners find out more about you and um follow your journey yeah of course the you can find me on pretty much all the social media platforms except for tiktok because i don't really understand the point of it yet but <laughs> you can find me on instagram it's sabra cook um facebook fan page sabra cook racing twitter is sabra underscore cook um i do have a website it's sabracookracing.com. Um, I haven't updated it with the latest information yet, but um, you can find info on there as well. And then, as you mentioned, LinkedIn is just my name as well. Awesome. And um, can you just say a little hello to Matt Womack, who couldn't be here? He's probably crying right now at work, but just give him a little shout out. Hi, Matt. I'm sorry that we couldn't have our American romance on this podcast, but (laughs) I hope that you enjoy listening to it. His year has been made. Yes, yes. We will never hear the end of this, ever. Um, (laughs) 
Saber, thank you so much for coming on the show. And we, um, as a former nurse, truly wish you the best of luck for the remainder of the year. And it would be great to catch up again in the future if you're up for it. Yeah, of course. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out and we can definitely talk again. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, Dan, the Bottas fan, thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> um, Cal, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. And we will see you next week.